Good morning, everybody. I wonder how it is that you are feeling today. I found this little image. Uh, it's the image of a little elephant being nudged along by a bigger elephant. And I picked this image up because I thought that feels a little bit like me at the moment. Uh, particularly with my three boys, I'm doing a lot of just little nudging. Uh, when they don't want to get on with their schoolwork, I just, I just give a little nudge. Uh, or when they don't want to go out and exercise, which is a lot, I, I just give a little nudge. Or when they just want to kind of curl up and hibernate, and that's okay for a little while, but when they've done it enough, I just give a little nudge. Uh, I wonder if that's something that you relate to, you've been doing a bit of. Uh, I guess there's a few different ways to think about a nudge. You know when you're in a line and you've been waiting for ages and you've sort of started daydreaming and someone behind gives you a bit of nudge. Oh, that's right, it's my turn. Uh, or perhaps when there's been a situation where they're looking for a volunteer and you've got a parent behind you who goes nudge and then all of a sudden you've volunteered. Um, or when there's a discussion happening and someone talks about what it is like to have a good friend and a friend gives you a nudge beside and makes you realise, oh, that they think that's me. Um, I want to have a bit of a think about this little idea of what it's like to have a bit of a nudge. Uh, these guys, I want to talk about these guys. Some of you may have watched the Olympics recently. This is, uh, this is Ash Malone and uh, Cedric, his mate, and they were doing the decathlon. At the end of the ninth event, Ash Maloney there was looking like he had the possibility of coming third, a bronze medal. It was just, it was a possibility. And the other guy, Cedric, he actually did some research and figured that he just needed to get his friend Ash across the line at the right time in the last event, which is the 1500. It's a really beautiful scenario. I, uh, I, I watched an interview of these two guys and there's, uh, there's a picture of uh, Ash at the end having received his bronze, you know, his third in the race. But there was a point in the race at which uh, Cedric knew that Ash needed to go. So Cedric had paced Ash along the way, paced him along the way, got him to the point where they rang the bell for the last 100 metres and then Cedric just came up in his ear behind him and said, go, go now, go now, go now, go now and whatever else it was that he yelled uh, that actually got Ash to lift and pick up his pace when he knew he had nothing left in his tank. He found something more because Cedric pushed him along. There's Cedric at the end with Ash. They're celebrating. They they got there and they got there together. Sometimes I wonder what it would be like if I had my very own Cedric in my own life, someone behind me who knew what I needed to do, who nudged me along, who just championed me forward. Uh, what would that be like? How would my life be different? I'm going to come back to Cedric in a little bit and think about him. But we've been thinking about this topic of spirited. Uh, we've been looking at acts and what it, what it means to be people who are um, spirited, who are receiving the spirit of God and who are acting accordingly. I want to have a bit of a think about that today. You might want to grab your Bibles. We're having a look at Acts chapter 17 particularly verses 16 to 32. Uh, so go and grab your Bibles, have a look, open it up and follow along with me. It's a really brilliant story. It's actually one of my favourite stories uh, because I really resonate with it. So we've got Paul. He's been on a bit of a journey. Uh, so right through the book of Acts, what we're finding is that the people who are following Jesus... Uh, then Jesus had uh, gone to heaven and these people were then receiving the Holy Spirit. So we started this series way back weeks ago talking about a thing called Pentecost where 
God himself, the very presence of God, came amongst the people that had been following Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God himself because Jesus had actually told his followers, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you with somebody who's just as good, every bit as good as the very presence of Jesus himself. And that's the Holy Spirit. So through this story of Acts, we've been following Paul and we've been seeing the way in which the Holy Spirit has acted through people, the the way the Holy Spirit has impacted people. And in this point of the story, we find that Paul, he's been kind of shuffled out of one place because it was a bit dangerous and he finds himself in Athens. And I'm going to read Acts 17, 16. So Paul waited in Athens while he was there His spirit was stirred up as he saw the whole city was full of idols. I like to imagine that he'd arrived in the city. The other guys hadn't arrived yet, so he was sort of waiting for them. But Paul can't help himself. He just needs to talk about Jesus. He needs to tell about Jesus. And he's wandering around. And at one point, he's wandering kind of maybe down the marketplace. And his heart just gets nudged. His heart just gets stirred. I have to tell these people. And at some point, he actually looks and sees around him, there's all these idols. So little things that they've carved or little things of wood or or gold or whatever it is, icons, things that they are worshipping, things that they are idolising. And his heart is stirred and he says, I need to tell these people about God. I need to tell them about Jesus. And his spirit is stirred. So he's, uh, he's wandering along. And this is what happens next. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. So they've noticed him and he's looking around and he's seen maybe something that has got an inscription underneath it that says to an unknown God. And, And I almost feel like he's been stirred in his spirit and he says, oh, I know who this God is. I need to tell you. And they turn around and they're people who are who are inquisitive and want to know and they're philosophers. Honestly, I would probably steer clear of them because they'd talk me round and round in circles. But they wanted to know. And Paul says, I know who this God is. I know who the real God is. These are all just false idols. I know who the real one is that you're seeking. And Acts 17, 18 says, So they took him to Aragopas, And asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us. We'd like to know what it means. So there's something in them that has been stirred as well. Something in them that says, maybe this guy's got something new. We're searching, searching, searching. Maybe this guy's got something good that we need to hear about. So Paul tells them. And these are the words that he chooses. Athenians. I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. And this is his response. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. And he went on and told them all about who God was He talked about the creator God who made everything, the creator God who doesn't need little idols made of him because he made everything. He went on and talked about Jesus 
who was the very God himself. And he went on and talked about Jesus and his resurrection and how Jesus is the answer. He explained everything to them. It was quite an amazing uh, time. And at the end of the story, it tells us that some people mocked him, some people wanted to know more, and some people believed and followed. Paul's spirit was stirred. He was prompted. Something prompted him in that space to tell the people what he knew inside of him, and he responded to that prompt. The reason I resonate with this story is because sometimes it feels a little bit like my own. So many years ago, uh, when I was younger, I was at school one day, and my friend Julia came up to me in the schoolyard, and she knew that I was struggling. I was really struggling with a whole bunch of different things going on in my life, and I was pretty negative, and I was pretty disheartened and in despair. And she came up to me, and I remember it really vividly. She sort of drew a big breath, maybe mustering up some courage, and she said, we've got this guy coming to speak at our church and he's going to talk about God and I reckon God might be able to solve your problems. Her spirit had been stirred and prompted and nudged to tell me and to invite me. Uh, unfortunately, however, I had a lot going on and I, I just said to her, your God can't solve my problems. And I turned away. And as I walked away... Something happened in me which I just cannot explain, but something in me just felt absolutely prompted, nudged and compelled to turn back around. And I turned back around. I'm pretty sure I rolled my eyeballs at it and I said, fine, I'll come to your church. I'll listen to your God. I'll see. And I went. So in that moment, her spirit had been nudged and stirred and prompted to speak some words to me. And I could have actually walked away and that could have been the end of my story and I would not have been here today speaking to you. But something happened in me that turned me fully 360 back around and I went. And I believe that that was the Holy Spirit. I believe that was a prompt, a nudge, a poke in the back, whatever it was from the Holy Spirit that said, do not walk away from this one. Don't turn your back on this one. And I turned back around and I went to that church and I heard a message about God and I heard a message of Jesus and something later that night in my spirit changed and the Holy Spirit turned my life in a completely different direction from that day on. I really resonate with the story of Paul feeling prompted, feeling nudged. But I also really relate with those people who were listening to him. Some of them mocked him. Some of them were inquisitive and wanted to know more. And some of them just opened their hands up and followed. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't always respond to the prompts the way I did that day. I'm really glad that I did that day, but sometimes I don't. And it got me to thinking, what stops us from noticing those prompts? What stops us from responding? What stops us from being aware of the moments when the Holy Spirit is pushing us to do something or gently nudging or calling or saying? I wondered. And so I had a bit of a think. These are the things that I came up with. I suspect that one of the main reasons we don't hear is that we are simply not attuned to ourselves. 
we're not actually inclining our ear and in tune. Uh, I wonder if perhaps some people even have been being nudged for so long and have ignored the nudges of God for so long that they're just used to those nudges coming and them ignoring them. I wonder if we're just not listening to what's going on within us. One of the big reasons for me uh, not listening to those nudges was because I figured that somehow I was disqualified. Something in my life caused me to be one of the few people for whom, oh, God probably wouldn't nudge. And if I'm sensing something or feeling something or noticing something, it's probably not real because I'm just not good enough for the God of the universe to speak to my life or for the Holy Spirit to come close and prompt. I disqualified and so therefore I didn't pay attention many times over. I wonder if one of the reasons that we don't notice or don't pay attention to or don't listen uh, is because we're fearful. You know, in that moment for Paul, it would have been really easy for him to say, these Stoics and Epicurean clever people who, you know, believe all these different things, um, what if they reject me? What if they call me a fool? What if they say I'm stupid? What if they throw me in prison? Which they will eventually. But he didn't. He actually responded to that and he didn't let the fear overcome him. In the same way, I'm so very grateful that my friend Julia took that deep breath, went the gamble and actually asked me a question about whether I would consider God. Uh, She didn't allow the fear to stop her from responding to the nudge that she'd been given. Or perhaps the reason is arrogance. We just think we know better. Like, yes, sure, God might be prompting us to do something, but we know better. And so therefore we don't listen, we don't pay attention, we tune it out uh, and we don't respond to the nudge. I wonder for you whether there's one of those things that you might need to address in your life uh, in order for you to be able to pay attention and listen and respond to those nudges. Sometimes God's nudge is a bit of a penny drop moment. So it might be something that you've maybe read, even like in, in the Bible or something like that, you've been reading something or someone's been teaching something and you just have that penny drop moment. It's almost like where the Holy Spirit goes, see, that's the thing I've been trying to teach you. And that's the nudge that it is. Or it might be um, not a penny dropper, but a teleprompter. You know, maybe it's something where you're being given the words to use in a particular situation. Or maybe it's not a penny dropper or a teleprompter, maybe it's a cattle prodder. where you need to be pushed forward and move into something or step forward into something and it's just a little prod from behind or maybe it's as simple as a light switcher on or which it was for me that prompt of turning back around switched on the lights and made me recognize that God is good and God is to be trusted and God can solve my problems and my life can be different I wonder what it is for you I was thinking about our marvellous Cedric, the decathlon encourager. And, you know, I was thinking about him and my own life and that I've had wonderful people who've, who've kind of come in and been that encourager for me and been those prompters for me. And I listened to an interview 
of him a while back and he said that what he did when he realised that Ash Malone had the capacity to get the bronze, he rang back to Australia and talked to all of his people and got them to do the calculations. He said, tell me how fast he needs to go. Tell me what's the minimum time he needs to make. You know, Tell me how fast the other guys are going to go out. Tell me how I have to pace him. Tell me when I have to tell him to go. And they did all the calculations. He was totally and utterly invested in Ash Malone in that moment. He was not running that race for himself. He wasn't finishing the decathlon for himself. He was finishing it for Ash. But at the end of the day, Ash Malone's probably in hotel quarantine somewhere without Cedric right beside him. Cedric was there for the moment and that was really wonderful and it's wonderful to have those champions and those nudges and those prodders in the moment. But what if we had a champion or a, or a nudger, or a prodder who was there all the time. And that's the person of the Holy Spirit. God who knows everything about you. God who, who knows you inside out and back to front. God who utterly has your best at heart every minute of your day. God who knows the whole picture of the world that's going on and is about good things to bring this world to, back, to, back to himself. What if that was the, the noise in the ear behind me as I run this race. That's the Holy Spirit and that's the nudge and the prompt I would choose every day of the week. Sports people are great, but they are not gods. They are not to be idolised. They are just people. And we have to be really careful of the things that we think are good and the things that we idolise, the things that we worship, the things that we put up on pedestals. You know, money, security, uh, you know, excellence in things, sportsmanship, good looks, whatever it is that people put up on pedestals and idolise, they are not the things worth idolising. God is and the Holy Spirit in your life is and that's the only thing. That's the, that's the unknown God in our lives. Paul responded to a prompt of the Holy Spirit. And people's lives were changed. Actually, if you read a bit further into this passage, he names the people whose lives were changed. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they went on to do, but they were worthy of getting named in that moment. People's lives were changed because he responded to the prompt and spoke out about who Jesus was. My friend Julia, you probably don't know her. She's just some person. But my life was forever changed because she responded to a nudge and a prompt from the Holy Spirit. Sam delivering his biscuits to homeless people in the city, he will never know whether any of those people were impacted by that event. We won't know. We can't know. But what if somebody was? What if someone's life was pivoted just slightly and God intervened and they were sent on a different pathway because Sam responded to a little nudge from the Holy Spirit that said, go do this thing and it will be good. I wonder if you will choose to tune in to the Holy Spirit. I wonder what that would be like. One of the things in Paul's words to those philosophers, those Stoics and Epicureans who were in Athens that day, who were leaning in and listening, one of the things that he said was this. God did all of this stuff so that they would search for God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though indeed he is not far from each one of us. Paul was very aware 
of the fact that the Holy Spirit is not very far from any one of us. God is close. That is the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I wonder what it will look like for you. So with someone like Paul, his life was not all sweet and rosy. It was not super easy for him. We can't look at him and say, oh, well, look, of course it was easy for him. He was sort of in close proximity to all the action that was going on. Actually, you know what? He, he'd been rushed out of town fearing for his life. And in another chapter or two, he's going to be put in prison You know, life was not easy. It would be really easy for us to think that it was easy for him to hear the nudge or to notice the nudge or respond to the nudge. I don't think it was. In the same way for us in this season, you know, we've got lockdown, we've got restrictions, we've got fear, we've got uncertainty, we've got a lot of things that we have to carry. Uh, It would be really uh, a hard season, I think, for us to listen and pay attention to the nudge. But we have to choose. We have to choose to slow down, to slow down our breathing, to carve out some time, to push aside things that that might be tempting to idolise and actually stop and say, God, are you nudging me? God, are you pushing me in a particular way? Are you trying to tell me something? Are you requiring something of me? Are you giving me a subtle elbow so that I'll move forward? Are you giving me a, a, you know, a, a, a go, go, go in the back of my head? What is it that you are doing? Because in this season of uncertainty, busy, crazy, restrictions and very different, um, we could really easily tune out the words of the Holy Spirit, the prompts of the Holy Spirit. And I would love for us not to because we don't know what difference it might make in somebody's life. This image that we've been using for our Spirited series, it's a really beautiful image, the dandelion there just exploding um, and being pushed out into the world. Uh, you know, the, the image I've got is, is of a child picking up a dandelion and whoosh, gently giving it a blow and those little seeds being sent out, full of power, being sent out to do what they need to do. And I think that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us as well. Just that that push, that little blow, that little nudge that pushes us out, full of potential, full of power to actually make a difference in the world around us. I wonder where you might make a difference if you pay attention to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Hey, that's fantastic. Well spoken, Yvonne. One of the funny things that just happened then is I said it'd be really good if I could get a dandelion. And I had both Matt and Yvonne race out and Nick and I have been waiting here to think they had three minutes in order to get back and see if they found it. Well, they made it back and uh, I have a half dandelion here, but I have a full one here. So I'm just going to hold that for a moment and talk about that as we wrap up this entire series. So a little bit of fun in the studio here. But when we first began this series, I said my hope, our hope for us as a community is that we might be further open to the Spirit, free in the Spirit, and alive in the Spirit. And I thought, why is that? Why is it that that's so, you know, such an, uh, a desire that we have? Is it because we're not open to that? No. It's because as a community, what I'd love is for us to be further open to that. And the second reason is, is that I recognize that our culture 
isn't so enamored by intellectual discussions anymore about faith and God and life and Jesus. Those have their place. But I think what our culture hungers for more than anything else is that they they almost lean in and say, if your faith is real to you, Jesus followers, then I want to see it at work and I want to feel it inside me. I want to see it at work around me and I want to feel it inside of me. If you like, I think what our culture is hungry for is not only to see faith worked out, to give, a, if you like, a comparison. Is your way of doing life better than the way I'm doing life? And if so, is it attractive? And secondly, does it actually impact you on the inside out? And that smacks of encounter. That God isn't just a distant God, but he's like one who wants to be up close. He's not like the Epicurean God that's distant. Maybe even if it's not there. But he's the one who actually encounters you in a very real way. And so that's why for me and for us as a leadership team, Spirited has been so important. That's why Lynn Maracy, when we had her come and speak, was so important to us. Is because we believe that in a changing culture, there's a sense in which people don't only want to just see it or even hear intellectual arguments, but they want to encounter it in a real for them, in a real experience for them. And so where does this leave us today? Well, by the end of the book of Acts, Paul's still in prison. He makes it to Rome. And he's two years in a kind of a house arrest. But as he's there, he's still talking about the inbreaking of God's life and people are coming to him to hear about this. And he's talking about Jesus as being the, the world's true, rightful Lord and King. And he's pointing people to them. Those two things. God's kingdom has come. And it's been manifested and it's been initiated and it's begun and it's broken in because Jesus has risen to new life. And when you place your confident trust in him, he will fill you with his spirit. And if you like, he will breathe new life into you and spirit you into all kinds of new spheres, ways of being and doing and living. Not being, if you like, directed by the gods and the goddesses of this world that we've created, but by the true living God who wants to dwell and bring you alive in him. So I wonder if we might finish this morning with a bit of a metaphor, but a real life encounter with the living God. So I'm holding this dandelion here. And what I'd like to do is invite you to pray and to be open to God's spiriting of you. I imagine that this dandelion is kind of represents new community and all the different seeds there that can be scattered. I'm thinking about next week and the engage and all the different activities. I would love next week's engage to be the best engage we have ever had because there's a sense of God spiriting you. And where it all begins is encountering the spirit afresh. Beyond our four values of being authentic, accessible, relevant, and generous, I'd like us more than anything else to step into a, a further realm, a deepening realm of being filled by God's Spirit and being free in His Spirit. How am I filled with God's Spirit? When I open my heart and mind every day and I say, God, would you fill me afresh with your Spirit? And how do I find new freedom in the Spirit? It's when I invite and ask God to fill me with his spirit afresh every day. 
to live for him, to think like him, to act like him, is that I discover a freedom of expression. I'd love more freedom of expression in our worship space when we gather together. More hands lifted, more hearts open, more eyes directed toward him, more voices raised. Because there's a sense of freedom in God's spirit. But that I'd also like that freedom to be manifest when I feel the nudging and the prompting of God like Yvonne was talking about today. And people just stepping out and saying, hey, I just sense that I should do, act, speak, write a card, cook a meal, drop it off. And a freedom to also be confident in Jesus that says, I don't care what other people think. I'm going to stand on the convictions that I think are real to me and known to me and the things that I believe to be true and I'm less concerned about what other people think and more overt about taking opportunities. I'd love to see more people just spontaneously praying for people at New Community, laying hands on, asking for God to be at work, but also in their lives, in their work, in their schooling, in their various comings and goings throughout the week that there's this sense of, I'm active and alive in God's spirit because I've been spirited by him. And so if you would like to be more open to God's spirit, open to the spirit, free in the spirit, alive in the spirit, filled and free, then I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And then at the end, I'm going to blow as a symbolic way of God's breathing fresh life into our community that we might be scattered in all kinds of ways, not abandon each other, but scattered in ways to serve in the live for him throughout the week. So wherever you are right now, you might want to pause, open your hands up as a sign to God that you're open, desirous and willing. And I'm going to pray that God might breathe his fresh life into you and into us as a community. And then we'll just see where he scatters us, where he leads us. If you'd like that, why don't you pause now and I'm going to pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your son. We want to thank you for the spirit, your arms reaching out to us, calling us home. Father, here in this place right now, I ask, Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come and pour your fresh life into us, into our bodies, into our minds, into our hearts, into our very being, that wherever we are sitting at home or watching this later on, that we might experience your breathing and your fresh life being filled into us so that we might come further alive and be free in the spirit. We ask this now. Maybe as you're opening uh, to God right now and inviting him, there might be a particular prayer that you would have and that you would like to pray to him that's relevant to a, a situation and a circumstance in your life. Go ahead and pray that now. And so, Father, I ask that as I breathe upon just this simple dandelion. It might be a figurative expression of what you will do and are doing among us for your honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit.